What's new, listeners? I'm Arthur Howell, the host of Two Cents Critic. If you are in the mood for reviews of books, movies, and TV shows, then join in. Today, I'll be breaking down Pixar's latest movie, Turning Red, and I'll also be joined by Alicia, who I've read. I'm a, she's a book, book, book Twitter buddy of mine, and she's known as Ali Peel on Twitter, and she's also a, a big Pixar fan as well. Say hi, Alicia. Hello, everyone. I'm glad to have you on the podcast. Now we've been we've been talking for a while now on on book Twitter. And so before we get into the podcast, let's, uh, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Like, so first of all, like, what, what are your what are your book interests? Oh, I actually really like sci-fi and fantasy, but I do feel like I really need to read more sci-fi. And there's a lot of uh, books out there that I'm really interested in, actually besides sci-fi and fantasy. Oh, yeah, sci-fi. I'm a big sci-fi fan as well. Any favorite titles you have? Any favorite books? Just the classics. I think I like Dune and then a couple of um, retellings with a sci-fi twist. I really like that as well. Ooh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, Dune, you know, uh, I still need to watch uh, the, the 2021 uh, remake of Dune. Still, still on my watch list. Yeah, <laughs> and and then and then and then also, what what about you? What what's your history of Pixar? Like you know, and, and your favorite Pixar movies and such. Um, my favorite Pixar movie, I have to say, it's um Toy Story. I think that's the longest running Pixar movie. I mean, they have so many sequels, and there's <laughs> at home. I would just watch them on TV. And sometimes every holiday, they would play it over and over again on TV. So, yeah, I grew up with that. So, <laughs> I think that's my favorite movie. Yeah, yeah, Toy Story. I have a lot of fond memories for that as well. And, oh, yeah, and, 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 and Incredibles, I would say that is probably my favorite yeah, Pixar movie. Of course, yeah. And there's so many, so, many, so, many, so many choices to just pick from for Pixar long-running studio and and of course now and of course now we have turning red which is again like i said before this is the newest uh pixar animated movie and so now let's get get into our thoughts and feelings on the on the on the movie so now alicia what what are your non-spoilery what's your non-spoilery take on turning red um i think the movie is very refreshing I mean, it's 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 quite different from the other Pixar movie, especially the one that we're used to. Uh, the Asian representation is, I, I mean, I like it so much. Like I have never seen that kind of movie from Pixar. I mean, usually they have deeper meanings, you know, like Pixar movies, they have different take and little details on their movies. But I mean, turning red is, fun it's very I feel like it's age appropriate for kids these days like um 13 year olds mm-hmm. the main character was 13 year old right yeah <clears throat> 13 so for 13 year olds these days I mean I think it's pretty relatable it's funny it's refreshing and it made me laugh I, I love it yeah I, I really loved it too and I I I got I so I'm just gonna say go out there and say that this might be this, this definitely 
uh, one of my favorite Pixar movies that I've seen so far. And I was actually listening to a podcast just yesterday, and one of the hosts was calling this was calling this Pixar's best movie in years. And that's high praise, but I'm like, you know what? Turning Red might be deserving of that. I think it's just it, it really is narratively enthralling, and I we'll, we'll be we'll we'll be getting into uh, this deeper when we get into the you know the whole uh, plot you know spoilery plot, plot discussion of the movie. But something I want to say right away is that the way that this movie breaks it basically breaks down what uh, pu- puberty what puberty is like for adolescent girls. I thought was quite insightful and filled with empathy. Which and yeah, I I thought so too. Yeah, I know it's just like because I I was shocked honestly because it's like you 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 never see the way that the, the way that you know periods and puberty for, for again for girls are handled. You never really see that in in movies and. I, there's even a point. There's even a point in the movie where pads are shown on screen, and I'm like, and I'm, and I'm like, holy crap! That has, I've never seen that before. Like pads actually shown on screen in an animated movie. You certainly rarely see pads anywhere, like in any, like any other movies, unless they're kind of like, kind of like the butter, the butter jokes, or people are just you know kind of like laughing about periods, like oh, oh, oh women and uh, you know they're menstruating, they're all emotional, and. It was just uh, and refreshing. I mean, that's a good word you picked here. It's refreshing to watch how this movie really just is able to address that in basically a magical uh, puberty allegory. It was actually the director, Domi Shi, who actually said that magical is basically a story about magical puberty. And just the way he handled that. And uh, I, I love the animation. There are a lot of like anim- anime uh, nods that I picked up on in the animation. I love the voice performances. So it, it was just an, an enthralling story. I love the, the dynamic between, uh, b- between uh, Ma- Maylin Lee, so that's the main character, and her mom, Ming. I love the relationship between them. It felt, it felt quite nuanced. And even the music. I, 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 like, the, I like the musical element of this movie. And, and how and how much it was like a basically a, an ode to the early two thousands and boy bands, which I thought I, I I like that too. So, something new I something new I felt like for Pixar to to address. Yes, I I agree. Even though the timeline was set in two thousand and so somehow it feels, you know, for even today, girls still somehow shy to talk about you know um like their their changes in growing up you know like puberty and all that stuff and especially in asian household i feel like that's that's still a taboo topic you know and when pixar made a movie like that and pack it in such a fun refreshing animation i feel like that will that will change a lot of girls um mind and point of view about um growing up and puberty and all that stuff mm-hmm. and the yes. way they put red panda as i feel like that's like a symbol for the puberty right yes yes yeah it 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 seems scary because the panda was scary at first but then when you, uh their friends you know discovered i'm sorry is this like a spoiler oh uh, 
uh, well, I would say a, a light spoiler. It, it's okay. Just you know, we'll, we'll say well, I'm spoilers. just going to do a little. <laughs> it, 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 it's okay, but yeah. Uh, well, eventually the red panda will become very fun and kind of like a part of her, right? So I think that's a big thing on accepting the changes in you while you're growing up. So I really like that. Yes. Now I, I will I will say uh, of of course you know I have I have seen uh some reception out there and I think most of it is quite positive for the movie. However, I do want to point out how there are a few you know critics out there, uh, namely male critics, who apparently found it hard to connect with the movie. They couldn't relate with with May as the main character because they're like. You know, oh, this is you know, I, you know, I can't relate with her. I can't, I can't, I can't bond with her over this whole over you know, over her going through puberty. And there's even there's even like one one critic who said that he couldn't connect with the movie because of the Asian representation and and focuses on an Asian community, and he is white, so he's like, oh no, I can't. I, I'm having I'm. I'm finding that to be limiting. I think, yeah, limit, limiting was the word he used to describe his experience watching the movie. And, you know, it's not, it's not surprising that, you know, there are people who say that, but it's still, you know, it's still frustrating. It, it, because it's like, you don't have to be part of the experience that the characters are going through in the movie to enjoy it. Like, even, uh, even me, me, myself, as a, you know, 23-year-old, uh, says had man, you know, it doesn't stop me from being able to relate to May in the movie. I can st- I can still, you know, appreciate the journey that she goes on. And you know what? I, and that's the thing, because I still find her relatable because there are so many moments in this movie where she feels like embarrassment or, sh- or shame and she's just feeling all this confusion about herself. And I can still, you know, I can still connect with that with those general feelings that I felt you know, myself, when I went, when I, you know, went through puberty and just all of the crazy stuff that was happening. So, I mean, you know, you know, yeah, I mean, screw, screw that. Like people saying they can't relate to the character. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel like, I feel like people would tend to say stuff like that, you know, sometimes where, like, where it's like, oh, they can't relate to the experiences, experiences that are happening in the stories. You know, it's, it's not just telling that, you know, people can say that about anything, but it's just like, you know, it just enjoy the story. Yes, yeah, so, so those so those are my thoughts and feelings on turning red. Yes, yeah, so, so now let's get so now let's get into the into the wind up score. So Alicia, what is your wind up score going from zero to hundred? Um, my score for turning red is um, I have to think about it. I have to think about it because I really like the movie. Sure, sure. I think ninety out of one hundred. Yeah, that's that, that's a good score. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's a good score because I feel like this is a big step too for Pixar, right? Because it's such a different movie from mm-hmm. the previous ones. Yes, yeah. and I know, and even uh, I, I I appreciated how it feel, also feels like the voice. And so she directed Domi Shi, she was the director, and then she also co-wrote the screenplay with Julia Show, and. I and and this was also also notable that this was a, a a women-led team that was working on this, and I think that say if if the team if the team that was working on this was full of men, 
obviously, I think this would have been handled much differently, and it wouldn't have been nearly nearly as good. I think, in my in my in my opinion, but I just think you could really feel Domishi's voice just be shining through in this movie. Yeah, and and, and it differs because, from, like you've been saying, like also for, it's it's a it's different from the other Pixar movies. I think because specifically the other Pixar movies. They tend to depend more on the, I, I guess, what, what's been called the Pixar brain trust. And, and that includes, you know, people like, you know, John Lasseter before, you know, the sexual misconduct scandal, uh, Brad Bird, Andrew Stanton, uh, I think Lee Unkrish, Pete Doctor. And they, and they, all, t- and they all tended to, to kind of like, you know, throw around ideas and kind of like, and submit them all into this, you know, this, this Pixar creativity machine so that it all ends up having the same, you know, sleek, photorealistic Pixar flavor. And, you know, while, again, you know, I, I love Pixar, it's nice. It, I think it, it's also good, obviously, to let the directors, to let their voices show, you know, give them the chances to let their creativity flourish. And again, you know, kind of, Try to stray away from the again the Pixar brain trust uh, machine, and I think Turning Red is a good example of that. And that's why that, that's why personally for me, I'm going to give a wind up score of uh, 95 out of 100, which you know is quite quite high, quite high 95. But I really do think that something like this deserves it, and I could easily see this being one of my top 10 movies of the year when 2022 wraps up. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right, so, so now, let's get, uh, now let's get into the, uh, in, into Turning Red. We're gonna go forward spoilers now. And uh, and now I'm gonna show, you know, listeners, if you have not seen the movie yet, uh, I, I recommend you pause, pause this podcast and, you know, go stream it on Disney Plus. And if you, and, and I will say, I do have my shot. I do have my shots as well on Disney Plus. I I I, I wish that I wish Turning Red could have been able to be shown in theaters. I would say that rather than going straight to Disney Plus because this has happened with the past couple of Pixar movies, specifically Soul and Luca. They also went directly to Disney Plus. No chance of showing theaters. And I'm just like, well, Disney, why can't you just give Pixar some time to for the movies to make money at the box office? You know give the movie some time to shine so it does disappoint me that this is because i feel like if this if turning red would go in theaters at least for a few weeks i feel like it would be really great to do that because considering how and how how groundbreaking the thematic material in this movie is yeah i think so too and the soundtrack is, is actually pretty cool i know kind I, of I, stuck in my brain for a while <laughs> I know. I actually, I actually find the songs to be pretty catchy too, especially uh, "Nobody Like You," which I think that's like the, oh. yeah, yeah, that, that is like the, I feel like the main track for the movie. Yeah, but again, just you know, I do wish this could have you know been released in theaters, and hopefully, I, hopefully, Pixar is able to release their next movie in theaters. And, yes, of course. And, all right, yeah. So as I was saying before, yeah. So spoilers, spoilers just are now. Uh, if you and. Listeners, if you have seen the movie or you don't care about spoilers, then you can stay right here. All right. So when 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 the movie when the movie starts up, I liked how energetic it was. I feel like it sets it sets the tone right for the movie. 
because like throughout the movie, it has this consistently uh, just a lively tone. You know, just all all of the all of the energy up in your face, and especially especially with 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 May herself, who is this like this this spunky, you know, confident, uh, a dorky thirteen year old, and 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 the friendship she and the friendship she had with her with her with her with her with her pals, I like that too, and like a whole a whole a whole group was like this nurse squad, and I loved them. <laughs> They're very cheerful. Yes, I do like that. It, it feels so real. I know. Yeah, and, and, and do do you have to? Who's your favorite? Like out of the group, because there's, there's May, and then there's Priya, Miriam, and Abby. And do, do you have any favorites out of the four of them? I really like Abby because she's just full of energy. I know she's so gung ho. Gung ho. <laughs> Yeah, every time she shows up, she you know do something funny. I really like her, but I think Mir has to be uh similar to my friends in real life. <laughs> so I think I really like her. Yeah, me too. I I, I know. It's, I feel I feel like yeah, happy. I feel like you know we're, we're jumping ahead a bit, but I feel like one of the one of my favorite moments in the movie is when Abby is when is when May transforms in front of her friends, and then Abby is like so fluffy, and she's rubbing her face all up, and <laughs> and and May's fur. Yeah, I think I would have done the same thing if my friend turned into a panda. <laughs> yes, and I I I think uh and and the animated movie Despicable Me. One of the girls in the Agnes, I think she has a very similar moment where she's holding up this this unicorn plushie, and I swear, if I recall correctly, I think she says like it's so fluffy, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, right. You are right, actually. Anyway, and and again, I love, I love, I love, I love, I love all of all of the all of the girls in this group because then you got Priya, who's so like monotone, and yeah, and 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 then and then Miriam. I feel like she, I feel like she's meant to be kind of like the the tomboy out out of the group, and I I liked her too. They all had really great like you know humorous moments, but also I, it's the core, it's the core of the friendship that I'm really into. You know, like I really feel like you know they have this, you know, so like they they have they have this strong lo- loyalty that bonds them together, and I just yes. I feel like it's not something you see often. You don't you don't see this too much. I feel like on screen in movies or TV shows where it, I think particularly in animated content that shows this kind of strong bond between uh, b- between goals. Well, like adolescents or teenagers, so I appreciate that here. And yeah, I, I, I don't think. Uh, yes. Yeah, I don't think a lot of animation does that. Yes, and and then all, and then also in the begin in the beginning of the movie, we also have the bit right at the start about May talking about you know how it's important to honor your parents, and and. and 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 then we also have a uh, happy new year 2002 remember and so that so, so that's the first cue that you know this is taking place in the early 2000s 
and oh and, and then the bed one the bed one one may is but she pretends she pretends to eat so disney presents uh, i like that too up, up on the screen the, the disney presents phase oh yeah i remember that oh and then also there's a bit there's the, the bed where, where priya is reading is reading a book nightfall and i couldn't tell like do you think it, do you think nightfall is a like a vampire book maybe yeah i think it was like a twilight ripoff yeah <laughs> yeah something like that yes and then, and then abby and then abby is like i'm gonna burn this place down to the ground <laughs> and it's very funny sometimes i relate to her you know yes i know i i feel like so and i feel like that's also kind of uh where the anime influences come in because like the because some some of the behavior some of, some of like the behaviorisms or the physical gestures are quite exaggerated and it looks very anime-esque. For example, like sometimes like when the eyes would enlarge, or just one shot when May is sweating, like just all the sweat dripping down her face, or just little 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 uh, visuals like that that made me think of anime. And in fact, I learned from watching just like a Disney Plus feature that goes along with this movie called Embrace the Panda, Making Turning Red. And uh, Domi Shi, the director, she talks about how she was directly inspired by Sailor Moon while making this movie. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes complete sense. Oh, wow, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, did you, did you watch Embrace the Panda on Disney Plus? No, I haven't. I, I, I highly recommend that because it's like 15 minutes long and it gives you a lot of insight into how this movie was made and just again how this was a women-led team that was working on this and how they were able to uh to to create it during the during the during the COVID lockdown and quarantine so yeah oh wow yeah yes yeah so embrace the panda embrace the panda is on Disney plus I will totally watch that now, what what do you think of the of the boy band? How because you got, you got, you you've got the boy band that May and her friends love for town. How do you think of that? Of how this movie treated the, the whole boy band era? That's actually one of the most relatable points to from the movie. I know it's set in two thousand and two, but early two thousand have a lot of boy band. I mean, until now, I think a lot of girls are still obsessed with boy band, <laughs> uh, and. I relate to them because I used to, when I was a 13 year old, I used, I really want to go to a concert just like them, just like that. And it feels like I would do anything to go to a concert with my friends. And I don't even care if my mom said no, but you know, I didn't go, obviously. <laughs> yes. I know. And uh, there's, there's, even a, there's even a shot I remember towards the end of the movie where when we go when they go to the arena and they're all crying and remember they're all crying as they're watching fourth town play on stage and i'm just like oh yeah that is a real moment like that would actually happen obviously it's like it's, it's so clear that this, that this movie was made by pe- was made by people who were in the boy band and they know what the experience was like they know how to make this feel convincing yeah <laughs> I, I actually really like the boy band i I almost want to, I, I almost want the boy band to be real. <laughs> I know. And, and, and also I want to note that, so two, two of the members of the boy band 
were were were, were voiced by Jordan Fisher, who people may may recognize the name because he was in the Disney Channel original movie, uh, Teen Teen Beach movie, and then he also mm-hmm. was in uh, G Two Hundred Boys I Dropped Before the Fall. P.S. I Still Love You. And yeah. then, yes, and 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 then one of the other members of War Town was played by Phineas O'Connell. And uh, obviously, oh, yeah. yeah, brother, brother of Billy Eilish. And it's funny because he and Billy Eilish, they actually co-wrote the songs in this movie together. Yes. Which, you know, that's not, not, not nice, nice little detail there. And 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 then also I like to I like the way that this was also set in, set in Toronto because I I you know again like 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 a lot, like a lot of the stuff in this movie you don't really see many movies particularly animated movies that are set in Canada and 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 it, it had landmarks like you even have like the CN Tower or the Sky Dome even though I can't speak from a personal perspective as someone, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I wasn't one in Canada, but watching this, I can still appreciate, you know, how this must be, you know, this must be quite satisfying for Canadians to watch and feel like, you know, the home is being represented in something as, you know, as huge, like a major studio movie, like, you know, a Pixar movie. Yes, I, I agree. Did you notice that there's a lot of diversity in that movie? And I feel like, oh, yeah. wow, I didn't even notice, you know, but yeah. when I look to the background and then the little people on the sidewalks, I'm like, wow, this is really good because it, it feels so real. There's so much diversity and it ma- yes. kind of makes sense. I know. Yeah. It, it feels like your life. And like, you know, like, like, you, like you've been saying, and, and also, it, and, then, and then also it does make sense because uh, Domi, she, she was, she grew up in Toronto. So basically, like this movie is taking place in, in her in her home. Oh yeah. Again, just adds more of the realism to the movie, and you know, just adds to the heart of it. Yeah, and and then so, Ma May and her mom Ming, they the next you know the, the, they team up to clean the temple, and we learn about how their their ancestor you know they talk about ancestor their ancestor Sun Yi who dedicated her life to defending animals of the forest, particularly the red panda. So what, what, what did you think of Ming, uh, of the depiction of her? Um, at first, I was kind of a little pissed off at her, and I'm not gonna lie, but... And then um, at the end of the movie, I think Ming is actually a, a good character, you know? She is very real. She, she experienced what I think a lot of mothers experience, and I can see the problem where there's like a, a, a problem, unsolved problem with her and her mother. And the same thing also happened with her daughter. And as soon as that problem is resolved with her mother, the immense problem with her daughter, May, also resolved. I mean, I think that, you know, that's like, it's a little heavy, but. I do like it because I think it's very real. It's relatable. So I, I like to see that side from a parent. I know, but yeah, because, because see, you do have, you have the, yeah, the mother-daughter relationship between May and Ming, and then you have, yeah, you have it reflected between Ming and her mom. And I feel like the movie, the movie because, because this is, you know, something that the movie does address. It's like 
how do you like how do you honor your parents you know how do you honor your parents but also stay true to yourself you know and you don't fall into the trap of holding yourself back of trying to because of, of trying to uphold this image of being the of being the poster child of getting all the good grades and doing exactly what your parents want you to do yeah. and I think this movie does end up and was was the answer where it's like well you can do both like you know it, it's kind of it's kind of messy and difficult to accomplish but both things are important yeah a lot of little subtleties in this movie, and I would say I've only seen this. I've only seen this movie once, and I do want to rewatch it soon because I feel like when I rewatch it, I'll definitely be able to appreciate the details, even even more deeply. I also want to give yeah, me too. And I also want to give credit to Sandra O, oh, who she she played the voice of Ming, and I thought she did a great performance. I, I thought she did a great job here, and was able to bring. I think she, she was able to bring. A lot of a lot of warmth to the character of Ming, like for both warmth and both the warmth and then also the fierceness to the character, and then Ro- Rosalie Xiang, she also she, and then she played May, and I thought she also did a fantastic job, like bringing this, uh, bringing this this vividness to May and and usefulness and kind of like the, the imperfect imperfect energy to the to the character. What about you? What are your thoughts on the, on the white vocal performances? Um, I haven't actually uh, checked the forecast yet, <laughs> but I do think that the voice actor is doing a great job, definitely, at uh, portraying their character. I feel like um, I really get that voice of a 13 year old, you know, all yes. the hopefulness, all the excited moments she has with her friends so i really like that it's really cheerful it's really full of life it it just feels natural and mings really have that um motherly voice i don't know sandra really nailed that i think and when she scolded her uh me i i really feel that it's very natural i like that yes and 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 also i the, the 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 voice actors for the for the friends for for Miriam, Abby and uh, and and Fia. I really I really I love I love them too. Yeah, it it, it was yeah. So it was Ava Morris. She played Miriam. Hyen Park played Abby, and Maitreyi Ramakrishnan played Priya. Oh. And, oh yeah, and Maitreyi Ramakrishnan. She she's the star of the uh, Netflix series Never Have I Ever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really did. I, I really did. I really did. Really did love her vocal performances. Yeah, definitely gave lots of life to the characters, like you said. Yes. So Ming, she also there's a point. There's a point in the movie where she says that Miriam is odd for being in the Four Town, and then she and then she. I remember she's she's also like, and why are they called Four Town if there's five of them? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, she 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 she, she, hate, she hates Four Town and. Also, then she she calls them glittery delinquents at one point as well. Yeah, <laughs> I, thought was, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> so, May, so May's friends they also so, so then so then they notice Devin. Remember that uh, that teenager who's working at the uh, at the dating right? And May isn't May isn't really into him, but then when she gets home, then she ends up uh, starting to draw him. 
now this this whole scene when she when she's drawing Devin, and then the aftermath of that. What do you think of this? Because I I love this whole scene. It's messy, obviously, I, but I like that because uh, I think the whole thing about her drawing about Devin, and then do you remember when her eyes got all sparkly when she saw her friend, the one with the black hair? I forgot his name. I oh, uh, like that's Tyler. also a part. Ty- wait, is, is it, wait, is it Tyler you're thinking of? Or? No, Tyler is the one that's for the party, right? He's having a party. Oh, like so there's a different boy in, in the school who she notices. A different boy. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, she notices. And I feel like that is also a part of puberty. She noticed more boys. You know, before that, she was always, you know, oh, I gotta clean up. I gotta do this for my mother. I like to do chores and all that stuff. I like mm-hmm. to study. You know. Um I, I think this moment when she started drawing Devin, I think that's where the she notices there's change in her mm-hmm. and and it, and it yeah, sneaks up I on know. her it sneaks up on her because then she's like yeah oh his, his eyes are fine and then she starts like to draw like the abs and then she starts to really look at look at the draw at the sketch and then she kind of like she falls off her chair and then she kind of like sits up against her bed and then rolls underneath the bed and then she starts sketching yeah. and her face and, and she and her face gets so serious as she's furiously drawing more and more sketches of herself with Devin. And, yeah. and, and then of course this is followed by her mom comes into a room and then she 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 gets up on her bed and then this is the moment I was talking about before when she's sweating, when she's when she's sweating and there's all and there's that that spotlight on her face and she's like, Don't look under the bed, don't look under the bed. <laughs> but, but of course, and Mang, with just one look, yep, her yep. mother knows Mang it all. It. Mang, Mang, find, Mang, Mang finds it, and oh my gosh, now I gotta say, this was as funny as this was, it was also terrifying to watch because it, it, it it's relatable. It's like, oh my gosh, like you, you know, your, oh no, your parents, your parents realizing that you know, you, you like people, that like you have crushes, you know, you're going through puberty, and it is, it was mortifying to watch this. <laughs> and feel yeah, what May is doing. Yeah. <laughs> and I, but, and, that, and then it gets worse when, when Ming actually takes her, not only does she go through the notebook, but then she, but then she's like, oh, it, it, it it, 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 she 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 basically thinking that Devin is coming on has been coming on to, to May, and then she drags May all the way to the Daisy Mart and confronts Devin with the notebook. And when May and, <laughs> and then when May just when when May just slams down the notebook in slow mo, and May is just like no. <laughs> that was horrifying. I was literally panicking because you can put yourself in that situation. I feel like. Oh yes! <laughs> oh my gosh! And then everyone and and all the kids are looking at the notebooks, and there's a there's a picture of does De- he drawing of Devin as a as a mermaid? <laughs> yeah, the mermaid drawing <laughs> that was pure fantasy, and I think that's also like a lot of girls do that. <laughs> I I know and. And, and, and I know, and, and again, Ming is Ming is Ming is like, you know, Ming is panicking because she's like, you know, Devin is like seventeen, and she's like, stay away from my daughter, and 
and then the kids are laughing and making fun of me and modifying and, and there's even a close-up shot of I, I Tyler I believe when he's pucking up his lips and the saliva is flying out of his mouth <laughs> and, and then oh and, and then when May, and then when when May goes back home I love when she says why would what she says to herself why would you draw those things those horrible awful sexy things it pushes back and forth between crying and then and then kind of like you know scolding herself for you know not for I think what was like not not you know being her her mom's perfect girl what you know modification mode and then and then also and then we have the nightmare that she has when and obviously you know yeah. this, tonight this nightmare she's foreshadowing you know her transforming into a red panda for the first time some freaky visuals here like the four faces of the four town members on flowers <laughs> Do, do, uh, do, do you remember this? The flowers, the four town faces? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> that um, actually looks like something from Alice in Wonderland, don't you think? Oh, yeah, you know what? It, it, it does actually. I, I can't think of the exact image, but I'm thinking about it now. And I'm, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this could pop Yeah, this could pop up in Alice in Wonderland. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then oh, also... I also want to add, and I appreciate how this movie depicts puberty and it's a puberty allegory in a way where it's like it's realistic, it's, it's plausible that May would be feeling so much embarrassment and kind of like, you know, I, again, like, you know, why would you, you know, those horrible, awful, sexy things, you know, she's scolding herself for that. But it, I also feel like it doesn't go over the top where it feels like what it feels like the message should be like that, you know, girls should be ashamed of what they're going through. You know what I mean? It, it, it feels very empathetic in that manner. A lot, a lot of empathy yeah. in this. Where it's like, hey, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's okay. Like, this is part of your life. You know, you're going you're gonna to go through these, through these growing pains and it's okay. It's something that, that will happen. And then, of course, you know, we have to put, and then next morning we have uh, May transforming into a red panda for the first time. And, and, and then she goes off to hide in the bathroom, and then Ming thinks May is sick, and then she asks, did, did Red Peony bloom? And this whole scene, now, this is, I feel like, this is, this is, the, most, this is the most blatant, I feel like, uh, period homage in the, in the movie. Because then, uh, Ming, go, because then Ming, go, uh, Ming goes on to bring out like multiple types of pads, and she's like, I've got the regular, the sick, the thin, the wings. Yeah, and what wh- what do you think of this whole scene of of how it was depicted? Uh, you know, like Ming bringing out the pads, and you know, like, again, this is the most this is the most explicit period reference if you like so far in the movie. Well, I I have been through that with my own personal experience, um, and it was embarrassing. I can feel the embarrassment through this. The, the screen <laughs> but it was funny uh I like how Ming's mom was very prepared and yes. was like what do you need yep. um yep. you can do this 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 but but May is like no don't look at me I'm a giant mess that's also I think how most girls feel about their period no because May, May even says I'm a gross red monster because she's saying yeah she's, yeah. she's saying like she for her she knows she's a red panda but obviously for Ming, she's interpreting it differently. I know I appreciate it too, because like you were saying, yeah, Ming is totally prepared. And I think it's nice that 
you know, girls can be able to watch this movie and they can be like, oh yeah, my mom could be, my mom can be, you know, supportive with this stage of my life as well. And I feel like rather, rather than if Ming were to be unprepared, again, if, if, like, if, if Ming herself would be embarrassed on behalf of her daughter, but nope, she's like, she's got the pass, you know, she's ready. And uh, I think the, I think the tampons, did I, I think tampons were also shown as well, if I recall correctly. Well, I didn't notice it, but, but I think pads are like, um, pretty popular choice in Asian households, I think. Compared to tampons. Yeah, I I know. Yeah, obviously the past was here. I'm trying to remember because I feel like I, I feel like I saw the tampons, but I'm not sure. I'll have to rewatch the movie again and like after that. Yeah, and and then and, and then and then also Ming is like, you are a strong, delicate flower who must protect your flowers and clean them regularly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is, you know, tr- true. You know, hygiene, obviously. Yeah. And and then, but and then May ends up escaping. And then she is able to gradually shift back into a human form because that's the whole thing is that when she, excitement is what fuels her transformation. And then when she calms down, that's when she turns back into, back into a human. And it's, it's very Hulk-like in that manner. Hulk-style Hulk shape-shifting. Actually, at first, I didn't think that she was going to be able to control it that fast. I thought she was going to, you know, suffer a little bit as the red panda but but it's good it's so good to see that the main character actually can control things you know her yes. feelings her emotions i i really like that yeah i know i think that's also it's supposed to be part of the whole like you know mood swings to come with puberty as well yeah yes. and you know that's why again you know don't be she she just called this like you know a, a magical puberty allegory and and then also I, I I do want to say also I feel like it's important to note that again this is so this is the first Pixar movie to uh, be directed solely by a woman, which is like wow it's like all of these Pixar movies and only this Tony Red is like directed solely by a woman you know but that's the way of the world unfortunately and because uh, Brave that was originally going to be directed solely by uh, Brenda Schaffman, however. I recently learned that she was actually bumped out of bumped out of the directing role, and she was replaced by Andrew Stanton, who is one of the kind of like one of the main figures at Pixar, and she had to fight to even get a co-directing credit. That's why when you look at the movie, it's it's co-directed, it's listed as being co-directed by Brenda Schaffman and Andrew Stanton, and you know she has opened up she has opened up about that and talked about how how like. It was upsetting for her to be bumped out of that role because Brave was such a personal story for her. Because that, that Brave also concerned a mother-daughter relationship and how that was such, it was really personal for her. Really personal for her. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and, then, and then it's like, oh, she gets, she gets replaced by a man. And it's just really, it, it, it really is unjust, unjust when I was learning about Brave. And it's good now that Tommy, she is able to Show off, show off her talent for turning red, and 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 I also this is also the, only the second Pixar movie to feature an Asian lead character after Up, which had Russell. That was the first movie Pixar movie to have an Asian lead character, and then next, Ming dro- drops May off at school, and 
Jan provides her with herbal tea for the for the cramps, and and then Ray also to the moment where she's she's rubbing the deodorant over her over her face, and <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> yes, and then she, and then what you were saying before, she gets she gets kind of like the hot eyes over one of the uh, over fellow students in the school. And then next we have some more embarrassment coming up when she when when May is in the classroom, and then Ming is as it turns out it's right outside hiding behind a tree, and there's a guard who's trying to stop her, and then she and then she comes up to the window and she's like, "Tell them you forgot your pads." That was so embarrassing. <laughs> I know it's like Ming, don't you, don't you know what's going on here? Can't you read the room? <laughs> And then, and then this is when the second transformation comes up for May, and then she and then she runs through town. Oh, and and then she also stops by the Daisy Mart, remember? And she and she sees Devin, and she's like, "Aruka." <laughs> I know it's just like, oh, you know, I, I think again that's sort of holding holding about puberty. It's like kind of like these, these uncontrollable desires just popping up everywhere. And then she and then she returns she returns home, and. And then she, she she turns back into a human, right? I think when she comes back home, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And but and then and then she and then she and then so now her parents, her parents, her parents learn that she's a red that she has a transformation, and she learn and she learns from her parents how like uh, her ancestors Sun Yi loved you know like just whole history by red pandas how Sunny loved red pandas enough to ask God to change to change her into one during a red moon and there was this war going on and Sunny was guarding her village and now this gift passes down to her daughters and we find out that Ming herself once had this whole red panda transformation thing going on but she ended up using Akia and I was wondering, like, what, what do you think of this the revelation that Ming herself used to undergo the transformation? I think that that's where uh, they show a vulnerable side of Ming, because what they showed to us first was how this transformation is very scary for Ming and how it's messing up everything, how it's very embarrassing, how she feels like she needs to hide it from her parents. Yes. And knowing that Ming also goes through all that, it's actually, um, it gives me a sense of, wow, it turns out it's okay to be this, you know, to change, to feel different. And knowing that your mother has uh, go through that, I think that kind of made a safer feeling for Ming. I thought that gave her like, oh, you went through all this too. Now that gave her a little bit of, um, what is it called? Feeling you know, uh, she feels better, yeah. Yeah, feeling, yeah, feeling like, comfortable. I'm not alone Comfor- in this. Comfortable, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I appreciate that too. And again, just uh, just the layers and the relationship between May and Ming. And it doesn't feel one-sided. It feels like you, you can understand both of them, where they're, com- where they're coming from, how they're feeling. And it, just, it actually reminds me quite a bit of, uh, of Bao. Have you seen the Pixar short Bao? No, I haven't. 
so it was a it was a Pixar short that uh, Domi she directed, and she directed so she, she she directed it before making her feature directorial debut with Turning Red, and Bao also dealt with similar themes because it it was it was between his son and 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 his mother, and it also it it also wrestled with similar material about the kid wanting to grow up and going wanting to grow up and how the mom was feeling about that and how she was struggling with that and the effect this, this was having on the dynamic and turning red has the additional layers of of may of may undergoing puberty but at the core i feel like they both have the same parent child dynamic going on which I, which I appreciate it. And, yeah, and I, yeah. I do, uh, about, I, I do recommend watching that on Disney Plus when we have the opportunity. Okay. And, and then we also learned that at the next, at the next Red Moon, which is in one month, May, is, can, May can go, go through a ritual to seal her red panda into a pendant, like the one that Ming used to, to seal her own red panda spirit. And, and and then May May also has this bright kind of like this bright red hair now, and I like the little detail about a uh, Wilfred, her little plushie. I like that too. And and then the next morning, um, Miriam, Priya, and Abby visit her. <laughs> and then I love I love so this, this is when Abby is like so fluffy, <laughs> and then I love when Priya also asks if May is a werewolf. <gasps> Yeah, <laughs> and 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 she also says that she's always wanted a tail. And then, and then well, actually, more... when oh, Priya said that, "Are you a werewolf?" That kind of makes sense because she has been reading a book about vampire and werewolf. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, that totally makes sense. Like that, her mind would go in that direction. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And and then and then May um May has the mo- has this moment where she's crying, you know. Like, again, it's all part of the mood swings. Again, that's all part of puberty. Yeah. And and then to, and then I love and then to, and then her friends cheer her up by singing. Remember, and and then they all end up singing together. And I just had a whole I I, I had a smile on my, on my face the whole time while they were singing. Yeah, that's very sweet. Yes. And and then this is when we find out that May that May's powers are ba- basically they're able to calm her down and depantify her. And, and I, I like that moment too. So then the so then the parents try to provoke May. They they ran this whole test on their daughter to see if like to, to, to see what sets her off and what, what, what could turn her into a red panda. And I love the stuff they use. Like, remember the deforestation? I think that they, they hold up yeah. the photo. And then they, and then yeah. there's a, a sad orangutan. And then just, and then May's second place spelling bee trophy. All of, yeah. all of the stuff, all of the stuff to try to set them off. And then, and then they bring out the, the, the adorable kittens. Yes, the adorable kittens was unexpected, but it's, also fun 
you know, and, and you can tell how much May is May is trying so hard to calm herself down. And she's thinking all, all the way through this test, she's thinking of her friends. That's what's helping her basically, you know, remain neutralized. And, but you could tell she's, she's really struggling when the kittens are on her lap. I, it's funny because I, you know, these are animated kittens, but, you know, they're so, so cute. Yeah, they're very cute. And, but, and, but even, even with that, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't break May. She's able to stay calm, remain a human. Then Ming believes May is thinking of her motherly love. You know, she thinks that's what's calming her down, but May keeps a secret that it's actually the love between May and her friends that's soothing her. What, what, what do you think of that moment? I think that moment also represents how girls her age was able to be, it, you know, it's easier to be honest to your friends than to your family. You know, it feels like that. That's, that's what she felt at the moment. That's what I think of that scene because sometimes I cannot bring myself to be honest to my parents, but I can bring myself to tell, you know, a little bit of my problems to my friends. And they do help to calm me down, just like what happened with May and her friends. I, I agree with that too because I, I, I feel like you know there are certain things that maybe you feel shame in telling your parents about and but yeah with your friends you feel you, you feel more relaxed with them you feel like you can tell them anything and, and then I love when when May when she organized this whole PowerPoint presentation before town to try to to try to convince her parents to let her go to the concerts and I'm just like <laughs> yeah you know kids would definitely do that for not, not even for, for, for just the concert. I feel like kids could kids could could you know cook up a whole PowerPoint presentation to for anything that they, that they want to do. But their parents are hesitant about letting, letting them do yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, that's that's also a funny part. Oh, and and then this is when this is when uh, when Ming says, "Look at those glittery delinquents with their gyrations." <laughs> And the gyrations that comes back at the end of the movie. Remember when May is like, remember she's like, she, I like to, gy- I like to gyrate, and then she actually gyrates, and her, and is and is pissing off her mom so much. And and, th- and then we have the phone call between Ming and her own mom, and this is when the, and the grandma's announcing that she's gonna bring in reinforcements. And the re- and the reinforcements re- and the reinforcements is the aunts, right? Yes. And I, and also, I was into the depiction of the whole family, honestly. Like, even with when the grandma comes in and the aunts, I really feel like how they're all, like, they're, they're all part of the family. You know, they're all devoted to helping out, helping out the, the relatives. And it, it felt like this, this strong family unit. What, what, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's the same thing. I feel like in every problems sometimes aunt will just come and help you and then you know the 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 women of the family they group together to help each other I think that's very beautiful yes yes and oh also so uh there's a I also so I noticed that there's a scar that runs over the grandma's eyebrow now yeah uh, now later on we do learn about the fight that happened between Ming and 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 grandma when Ming transformed into a red, into a huge panda, a, a huge red panda. And I think, I, 
if because she ended up she ended up hurting her hurting the grandma hurting her mom and so i'm assuming that's what that's where the scar came from what do you what do you think yeah i'm also assuming the same thing when uh they're inside the panda realm and the spirit realm mm -hmm. yeah she was crying uh, ming was crying and telling me that i heard her do you remember that she said that yes Yes, and I yeah, think that, it it it, yes. it clicked when she said that. I know, yeah, that was that was the exact moment when I was like, wait, I I remember this the scar on on grandma's eyebrow, and I recalled that. So they would connect that with with that moment, yes. Then we have the, and then we have the, the dodgeball game. Abby Abby has two dodgeballs in the game, which I love that for her. I feel like that's such like I feel like that's something she would do. She would be handling two dodgeballs at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, and then she and then she also says that her mom called four times music stripper music. That was funny. Yes, and, and then and then Ming is also spying on May's dodgeball game. Remember, and that same guy comes back out onto the streets, and is approaching May, yeah. but she speeds away in her car. And in the back in the bathroom, May talks talks to her friends about struggling to uphold the perfect shower damage. And oh, and then right before this, remember, uh, May is also getting also uh, getting pissed off, and she hold and she holds and she holds the dodgeball at super speed at Tyler. Yeah. I, I I am just like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm just getting really pissed off at you, Tyler. You need something to keep you in your place. What what do you think? What do you think of Tyler of of this depiction in this movie? I think he's the the classic middle school bully, you know, that. But I think he he kind of wants friends. At the end of the day, behind all of his, you know, behavior, I think he just wants a friend. Because at the end, they did, you know, have fun together, right, at the concert. I, yeah, I know, I know, and that was a surprise to see him at the concert. It's like, oh wait, he's actually a Four Town fan too. And he was crying. Yeah. He was crying along with along with May and and company at the concert. Yeah. Was yeah. I I I like that. I like I I do like that little that little turnaround for his for his character like. And yeah. So in in the bathroom, May's talking to her friends, and I and then Abby begs May to transform. And May thinks of Devin of the De of the mermaid Devin sketch <laughs> to transform, and then Abby just like, and then Abby is just like hugging her, <laughs> and 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 then and and then the other girls remember they come into the bathroom and they're crazy over May's red panda form, and what, don't they also say like they would like give up the the kidney? Or the soul and the soul for like the red oh, yeah. animation. <laughs> that was funny. Yes. And then this is when May. Uh, do you also remember the moment where Abby speak Korean? Mm. Oh wait, wait. Okay, I remember this. But did you? Uh, what's point in the movie? Because I remember this. I remember this moment, but not where it happens in the movie. Did I think you... she was like pissed off about something. I also forgot why it, it happened. 
but I remember her speaking Korean, and I think that's a rare moment too in in you know Pixar movies. I know, I I know, yeah, I, I picked up on that as well, and I did appreciate that as well. And I, I again, like you know, you, you can you can feel how you know inclusive Tony Red is in a lot yeah. in a lot of different yeah. regards. I know. Right? And then, and then now, and then now, May is scheming to make money off of the Red Panda loving kids. So if you can afford four town tickets, which will cost eight hundred dollars for her and her friends, so she's so she's she she's you know concocting all of this merchandise, including keychains and Red Panda tails and photographs. And I almost wonder if this if this if this kind of felt like. A little reference to cultural appropriation, because what you know, how in real life, you know, this does happen. Where it's like, oh, you take different cultures, and you, you know, you make you you profit off of it. You sell off, you know, the merchandise the way that Ray is doing here. And any thoughts on that? Well, I think that maybe a little bit more to so, appreciation compared to appropriation, I appreciate, think. Because, because May herself, it, May, it, it is her own culture that she's taking from. Yeah. So, Whereas cultural choose... appropriation is typically like when, when someone who is not from that culture is taking from that culture. Should, oh, should... yeah. Yeah, and, and then yeah, so they have merchandise and I have a flip phones. Remember the, the flip phones pop up? And I'm just like, whoa, yeah. that is definitely a 2000 throwback. Yeah. And the Tamagotchi. Oh, yeah, the Tamagotchis. Oh, my gosh. I, I remember those. Because I was, I, was, I was born in 1998. So I was actually like really young back then. But even then, like, I, I still remember Tamagotchis being quite popular when I was really little. Just, you know, all of those little handheld virtual pets. Yeah. I actually want Tamagotchi when I was a kid. Wait, uh, did, did you ever have any Tamagotchis? No, unfortunately. That was really sad, but I do take care of, like, one moment in my life, I remember I was taking care of my friend's Tamagotchi. Like, <laughs> I would just take it home and then, like, keep it for a day. And then the next day, here you go. I took care of your little pet it was weird <laughs> but it's fine since i don't have my own you know yeah, yeah i never had tamagotchi's eyes but i know i can't I, I remember i remember wanting one though oh, oh i you know what oh, tamagotchi's also making you it, it reminds me of those cubes do you remember, do you remember like his little cube toys with little stick figures inside them and stick figures would do to like they could do different they could do like different activities inside their own little cube worlds. I forget the name of them, but do you know they were they were around they were around that same era. I think I remember them, but I don't think they're you know as popular as Tamagotchi. Yeah, I don't think it was popular, but yeah. Oh cube cube world. That's what that's what it was. Cube world, yeah, and you could you could stack the cubes together and then the stick figures could could they, they could travel between each other's cubes when they were connected. Oh, oh yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking at them right now. That, yeah, this, this is bringing back some early 2000s memories right now, some 2000s nostalgia. Yeah. 
uh, and, uh, and, oh, and, and then, and then, when May, when May, remember when May says, are you a triangle? Cause you are cute. <laughs> a good joke. Yes, I know that this movie definitely has some very quotable lines. And, and then, and then Tyler wants to kiss to come to his birthday party with May's help because he's like, hey, you know, can, you know, he wants May to come to the party as a red panda to, you know, to, kind of like the, the entertainment, the party entertainment. And, oh, and then we also have a moment where, May, where Ming shows off her double jointed elbow to May and she's like, it can make four circles. And she's swinging her elbow around, <laughs> swinging her arm around in a perfect circle. Yeah. And oh, she she was, and then she and then she also talks about being called the uncommon denominator, as like you know, the, for her mass prowess. And and then she and, then, and I think she wants to. I think she wants. Oh yeah, it's because she she thinks May is going off. She I think May she she, she thought May was going off to like what was it like, Masley's chaining or something like that, and so she wanted to go off. Yeah. She wants. Yeah, because because May is lying. May is actually going off the party, and May and Ming thinks she's going off to the Matley's training, and yeah, and and then his grandma and aunt arrive, and his grandma and then his grandma says that every time May transforms, it's actually it strengthens her red panda spirit, until she'll be eventually bound to it forever. Which you know, and and and, that, and that's like oh like. You know, that adds some stakes in the movie, you know, adds some, adds a, something energy to worry about. And, oh, and then remember at, at the party, uh, at, at Tyler's party, uh, there's more, more, one of the playing charades, and Priya, I think, was it, was it Priya who was doing like the mortality? Where mortality was the answer for what she was doing for charades? Oh, yeah, it was, it was Priya. I was on mortality. Again, very very fitting for her kind of like her taciturn, sullen character. And 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 then and then May, May doesn't want to transform at first because again she's worried about her grandma's warning. And but then she does end up transforming. But then May ends up finding the merchandise underneath May's bed. So you know we we got some trouble here. Uh, also. So there's, there's a moment. There's a moment when Priya is dance is dancing with that uh, goth girl, and Abby's like, "Get it, girls." I was wondering, do you, do you know? Do you, do you think this maybe was meant to be a, a queer coding moment? Yeah, I think I I think it might refer to that. It was very yeah. It was, yeah it was a very small moment. It, it passed by, but I picked up on it. Yeah, and, and in general, like, you know, I, I obviously, you know, I do want more queer queer representation, and. I feel like we, you know, I feel like we're, we're we're getting better with that, you know. For example, like Eternals, the Marvel MCU movie Eternals, was like, oh, you know, good, you actually have a, have a kiss that happens on screen yes. between, between two men. Yeah, and, that was that was very that was a big change for Disney too, right? Yeah, yeah, it's for Disney for the MCU, and yeah. I don't know, just, just, just in general, because it's like there's, uh, there's obviously so many different examples where you, where you, even even with Pixar or Disney, where it's like, oh, you have to look in the background to notice, like, to, to notice, like, two women who are together. Yeah. 
who like just, just like in the background for a moment or Star Wars where it's like oh you have two women you have two minor women characters who share a kiss at the end of at the end of Vice Skywalker or you know even even Loki I would say like I feel like Loki Loki implying that he's bi in the Loki series I feel like that actually is pretty big because Loki is like one of the biggest characters in the MCU so to yeah so to implicitly have you know depict him as queer through the dialogue I feel like that is actually a major step but not I obviously, obviously not, nothing beats the actual on-screen portrayal you know where it's, where it's like oh like a quick it's not you know for once the queer characters aren't just being shoved off to the side it's like no you're actually seeing the two characters kiss and yeah. it, it, it's quite, gratif- quite, quite gratifying and you know that, that's why I do hope you know someday I, I feel like you know in the future Pixar doesn't need to release a movie that has an explicitly queer main character you know or, or like a, a, a Disney princess that'd be nice too yeah it would be great a Disney princess Oh, and see, that's another thing. Right on the last dragon. Now, see, what do you think? Did you did you pick up on any romantic vibes between Raya and Namavi and Raya and wow. the last dragon? Well, I did not think of that, but now that you mentioned it, well, I might want I might want to rewatch the movie because I did not pick up that vibes. I was so focused on little details of you know because it was Southeast Asian inspired. I got focused on, I, I was so focusing on the detail of, you know, the background and their outfits and then the little food on Raya and the Last Dragon. I don't know. That's that's the detail that I'm focusing on. Yeah, Raya and Amari. Yeah, I, I still, you know, like even even if you look up on the internet, there's, there's a whole there's a whole fan, fan theory about this. And I don't know, I, I, I personally believe in it. Just, I feel like just even with little glances, that Raya and Amari share, just the, the way they interact with each other throughout the movie, it, it does feel like there is like romantic tension between them. And I just feel like, you know, yeah, Disney could have, Disney, Disney could have gone the extra step with that if he really wanted to and have them, and have them end up together at the end of the movie. Which, you know, they, they don't, but, and then even uh, Kelly Marie Tran, she played the voice of Raya. She actually read, she actually, yeah. when she read the script, she read the relationship as queer. Which is interesting. I mean, that's amazing that to pick up on that when you're just reading the scripts, not not even not even watching the movie, just reading the screenplay. Yeah. And then yeah, so okay, so, so back to Turning Red. So so May and her friends are up on the rooftop of Tyler's house, and Miriam and Miriam comments on how she thinks Jesse, one of the one of the members of Four Town, smells like milk chocolate and wet rocks. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and then yeah, so so manly. I remember I remember that statement was made too. But then they they, they realized that they've mixed up the concert dates for Four Town because they saw the concert was happening on the 18th. But that's a concert happening in Toledo, not Toronto. The Toronto concert is actually happening on the 25th, which dun 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 is the same day as the Red Moon Ritual. Oh, and it, yeah, this is this is when Abby, this is when Abby rants in Korean, and she rips out the pamphlet. Oh yeah, you're right. Yep, I remember now. Yep. 
and May is panicking about the scheduling, which, you know, understandable. It's like, oh, crap, you, you know, the concert and the Red Moon Ritual on the same freaking day. <laughs> and then and then, and then Tyler's getting cranky with May, and eventually it is like, he is just getting, he is just, oh, getting too big for his britches. So May ends up pouncing on him and scaring everyone off. And then Ming arrives and she reprimands May's friends for like what she says is manipulating her. And yeah. what, what 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 do you what do you think of this moment? Because, because May ends up May ends up not defending her friends. She's she just kind of like you know silently sides with her mom and she goes home with her as her mom as her mom is reprimanding her friends. I think at that time she was still inside of her shell, like she's still afraid of telling the truth. And the fact that she didn't tell her mom that it was actually her friends that 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 made her calm when she was a panda for the mm-hmm. first time. Yes. That I think it's related. It's still part of the problem that she can't possibly choose someone else other than her family. But the fact that the fact is that she was more comfortable with her friend than her family. You know, at, at some moments. Yeah, yeah. Like I was saying before, yeah, like it's easy, it is easier to share some secrets, some some you know information about yourself with your friends and with your parents. With your parents, it can just feel weird to open up about certain issues. Yeah. Oh, and, and then all, and then as Ming and May leave, Miriam picks up the uh she she picks up May's uh May's little oh, virtual pet. Yeah, the Tamagotchi. Oh yeah, and then Robert Jr. is the name of the virtual pets. That was funny. <laughs> yes. Then we and then we we cut to the we 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 we're cutting to the to the Red Moon ritual to the well, to the to the dinner before the ritual, and this is when Mr. Gao. Remember, he's part of the community there. I I love it when he says the ritual will be mostly painless. And and May and May pointed out pointed out she's like wait mostly painless. But it's oh. not painful, right? In the end. Uh, yeah, it, it's not it's, it's not really pain painful per se. I just feel like it like, but it it I feel like it it, it looks like it takes a lot of energy out of you. You know what I mean? Like it's a process. Oh, yeah. It's it's definitely a major process to go through. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And oh, and then also so Mr. Gao. I want to say that he what he was played by James Hong, and it and his voice may sound familiar because he's the voice of Mr. Ping, Poe's uh, Gander father in the Kung Fu Panda movies. Yeah. Oh, right. It 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 it, it is that it's that same voice, the same kind of almost like a, you know, this very this very warm, genial voice, and so I appreciated you know being able to hear him for a bit in this movie. As a, as a huge Kung Fu Panda fan myself. And then uh, Jin, he's, a, he's a May's dad. He ends up finding the video camera that May used to record her fun, you know, the fun pet time she was having with her, with her friends as a, a red panda. And then we, and then it just segues into the talk that May has with, with her dad. I really, pre- I really appreciated this because 
I felt like, honestly, until this point, I felt like Jen, the dad, wasn't really playing a significant role in the movie. And I was like, well, if he's not going to play a significant role, then maybe, then why even have him? You could have just cut him out and focus on May, Ming, Grandma, and the aunts. But then we have this talk between the, between May and her dad, where she, well, he is the one who talked about how, about how the grandma didn't approve of him. And she and Ming thought about him, and that's what transformation is like. It destroyed almost half temples. And what, so, what 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 are your thoughts on the talk between May and Jin? I'm actually glad that Jin actually is the one who talked to her about it, because I have been wanting to. I can see that he actually cares about May and see the other side of May that no one else sees, especially Ming. And he talked. He, he opened up about what Ming was like. And I think that, you know, gave uh, May a sense of, oh, I'm not alone and I can be who I want to be, you know. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. That's a different, you know, mostly fathers like are like not included in movies. <laughs> so seeing Jin play an important part like this, it, it makes me really happy. Yeah, and oh, that, that, that's the thing. I do feel like I do feel like uh, I do feel like there are a lot of stories where dads are, do play an important role. Actually, where it's like oh, where it's actually like oh, the mom, the mom, you know, died a long time ago, and it's the dad who, oh, who yeah. sticks around. And yeah, but but I do I do I do appreciate this though because yeah, I, again, it's like yeah, you know, get, you know, give a dad you know a moment to connect with, with his daughter, and. You know, because I feel like it also makes sense because I feel like it makes sense for him to be to be revealing the history that went on with you know with Ming and Grandma and him, and it it gives insight into the mom and it let it it lets you understand how she how she must be feeling about her daughter how she's probably scared of what her do- what could happen to her daughter, you know, feeling probably the whole conflict of emotion inside herself how that relates to her relationship with, with, with her own mom. And it was actually a, a quote that Jen had, and I'm going to read it here. When Jen, when Jen tells May, people have all kinds of sides to them, May, and some sides are messy. The point isn't to push the bad stuff away. It's to make room for it, live with it. And I just feel like that was so on point. That was a good point. And then we, we move on to the ritual, and... We've got we, we've got a, we've got the family singing. We've got you know Mr. Gao. He's part of the ritual too. He's got he's holding holding up a staff. He's got the red stone in it. That that roll that's gonna trap uh, May's red panda spirit. And then May enters the spiritual plane where she meets Sun Yi, and she has a chance to separate herself from a her red panda spirit. But she you know she's going through that you know that mirror wall, but she ends up keeping it, keeping the spirit. And what what did you think of this? Like, because I, I was pretty sure this would actually happen once she entered the spirit the spiritual realm. But what what did you think? Did you think that it was gonna happen that she would end up, end up wanting to keep the spirit with her? Yeah, I, I do think it was going to happen because they've been through a lot of moments together, mm-hmm. and I do think that may actually like the red panda that side of her. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's this, yeah, this this whole you know journey that she's been on, and you know again, she's been having so much you know such a 
blast to their friends and yeah and, and you know if you're i think this is this is now the point where basically she's coming to this is this is kind of the fantasy version you know the fantasy you know red panda version of someone in real life who is coming to accept her puberty and all of the shifts that are happening in their life and it's just like hey you know I, you know I'm, get, I'm getting used to this now it's a, it's, a, it's a part it's a part of me you know it's a part it's a part of my core and i don't want to you know lock this away i want to i want to present this as me and it, yeah so, so afterwards she, yeah so she ends up keeping a spirit and she runs away and she's, she's gonna go off to the concerts however in the process ming's pe- pendant cracks and all and, and her family and her family is putting all the pressure on her, which then which then causes Ming's spirit to be freed, and now Ming ends up transforming into her own red panda. And when when she shows up at the at the concert, did you expect her to be as huge as that? Because I actually didn't. I thought she's gonna be a bit smaller, but she was like Godzilla levels. What <laughs> what, what did you think? Did, did did you predict it would be that like that massive? Okay, I was I thought she was going to be big, but not actually giant that you can break through the the sky dome. I know. I, I thought she'd be smaller too. That's why I was saying, like, yeah, she's like she's basically like Godzilla at that point, or like you know any of the any of the ki- kaiju. So now, so now, May, so, so now at this point, May, May finds out she can actually change between her forms as well, and again, part of the acceptance, like she doesn't have to, she doesn't have to wait to calm herself down. And she goes into the goes into, goes into the arena without without a ticket, I might add. She's just kind of like jumped in there, then get then get a ticket. She meets up with her friends, but Miriam Miriam isn't quite isn't forgiving her quite so easily at first. But then we find out that she's been caring for Robert Junior and apparently singing singing him lullabies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and then Tyler Tyler is here. And he let he lets out a tear when the boy, when the four town boys come on stage, and then Ming arrives. And what do you think? What do you think of this next scene between Ming and May, where basically May has this whole conversation with her mom, and she admits, you know, she want, you know, I wanted to sell the merchandise. I wanted to go to Tyler's party. I like, you know, and she even goes on. She's like, I like boys. I like loud music. I like gyrating. You know, I'm thirteen. Uh- I'm actually really glad when she said all of that because that's when the truth finally comes out. She finally said all of these things that she wanted to say to her mother, but she she was afraid before, and now she finally said it all. And it's totally better. It's it's better to just let it out, right? I know. I felt so cathartic in that fashion. Yeah. And I feel a little bit emotional too, and kind of sympathize with her at the moment. Yeah, and it felt so. Yeah, it felt really authentic that way, and you know, just letting her feelings out, and she is expressing. You know, she she wants to express her true self, and then uh, this is when, uh, and then obviously Ming is quite mad. You know, because she, you know, she she doesn't she she hates this. It's like she sees this as like her daughter, again. It, Again, not living up to the image that she's been, you know, holding up of her. And then I, I thought it was quite gutsy of May to bite her mom's hand. 
because Meng is holding oh, yeah, it up with right. her fist, and then Bermay bites her. It's like, holy crap, he did that to your mom. But and... I think that's good because that means that May can finally connect with her mom. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And then we, we've got we've got everyone you know teaming up against Ming. We've got we've got Jen. He's pushing he's pushing that little card around to mark the strong circle around Ming. And we've got Grandma, the aunties, and Mister Gao partnering up to uh to engage in the Red Moon ritual to turn Ming back into a human and steal her Red Panda spirit while May distracts Ming. And then oh. And then, and then Abby, Abby's shouting at May. She's like, "Destroy her with your big butt!" Because, <laughs> and then because May is vibrating, she's doing the vibrating at her mom, and her mom can't stand the vibrating. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It was really hilarious to see like how much disgust was on her mom's face. Like, oh, they're vibrating. Get that away from me. Yeah. I feel I I feel like yeah this this whole climax is an is, is an is an exaggerated version of a real life fight between a child and a parent, with a child you know fighting for freedom and the parent wanting them to stay you know stay in stay in the lane you know I'm your I'm your parent you need to follow my rules yeah oh and, and then did you also notice did you did because I I saw the subtitles so when the so. When when Ming arrives and she's crashing the concert, the audience members will say things like, "Is this part of the show?" Or you know, like, "This isn't cool. I want a refund." Yeah, yeah. I also I use this in Thailand. I noticed that. I know it's it's a, it's a small detail, but I I appreciated it. It's like, oh, it adds a, just a tiny bit of humor to the scene, even though again a, a minor detail. Yeah. And then Grandma and the ants they destroy they destroy the stones. To free their own red panda spirits. Again, just like everyone teaming up together, I really love that they they make that sacrifice and they're pulling, you know, in, a, in order to pull Ming towards the circle. Remember, because Ming ends up faint, Ming ends up fainting, and so they're trying to get her body towards the circle. And then with 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 the help of Four Town and Mage friends, all singing together, they're all singing "Nobody Like You," and it's all like a, a-, a cappella. And w- what did you think? What did you think of this particular scene as everyone is singing together? I kind of see it coming though. Um, the they're singing together. I I really like that. And despite the poor town being all scared at first because they were trying to get off the, what is it called? Like the ropes. They were flying at first, right? With the wings. Oh yeah, it's, it's like, the, the cable, like the wires. I feel like kind of like swinging on cables. Yeah, the wires. But then they come together and they sing and help. So that that was really cute and it's really funny yeah it, it felt it was just 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 a powerful sense of unity between everyone because now the goal is yeah. to you know get Ming into the circle and enact the ritual yeah and then the ritual happens and now everyone and now we've got Mei um, and Ming in the spirit realm except this is teenage Ming and this is when as you pointed out before she, she mentions hurting her mom and, and, and again I, you know I think you. I think you, did you say this before about the vulnerability, like and shown here when she's like a, teen- a teenager. I think you might have yeah. said that earlier. Yes. And and I also liked when you know uh, at, at May is walking with her mom, and and then Ming Ming is Ming is aging. She's going through her different stages of her life as they pass by the bamboo stalks. You know, she's growing up, and then she yes grows up, and then she grows up to be an adult, and. Then the other relatives are now in the spirit realm as well, in the human forms, 
and they're all passing through it. However, main main ones made to pass through the pass through the portal, but main insists that you know she's growing. And again, like she wants to keep keep the spirit with her. And I I, lo- I love this moment that 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 main has when she's like, you know, don't don't hold back for anyone. The farther you go, the prouder I'll be. That was su- that was such a touching moment for me. Agree, I agree. It's like you know this moment when 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 Ming when, when Ming herself is realizing that you know her daughter needs to needs to evolve, needs to be allowed to learn to evolve. But and it's and it's not like it's gonna it's not like it's gonna you know tear them apart or anything. It's just like yeah, she needs to learn to to develop, but they can still be close together. They can still be you know the mother daughter pair because you know they still love each other in the end. And then and then Sunny's red red panda form. She yanks May up into the sky. I love how it ends up getting this whole event ends up being referred to now by the public as Pandapocalypse 2002. Yeah. <laughs> Which it's like, yeah, I feel, I feel like I feel like people would definitely come up with a name like that. It kind of reminds me of uh, the blip and the MCU. Yeah, that's right. And and then also, and then Mr. Gao, he is revealed that he that he placed Ming's red panda spirit inside the Tamagotchi. That she now plays. Oh yeah, right. That's I don't think that was possible. I thought it was some sort of like a big stone. Turns out, kind yeah, of I, looked like Tamagotchi. I guess yeah, but I guess I guess you can just you can you can place it inside. You know, I guess any object. I, I suppose a stone, a Tamagotchi. Yeah. And, and and they also we also show they also reveal a uh, grandma also grandma's pendant. Remember. And then there's also the Sky Dome fundraiser to, you know, get, you know, raise the money to repair the, the Sky Dome, which obviously was he- heavily broken during, that whole, during the whole Pantapocalypse 2002. And I like, I like how May has the ears and tail. Again, you know, being, being more yeah. open now with her spirit. And, and in the end, May says, uh, my, my panda, my choice. Oh, is that what she said? Yep, yep, yep. My panda, my choice. I, I know, I know. That was a great. That was a that was a splendid moment too. Yeah, I like that moment. I I love it. I know. It's like again, that relates to real life. It's like again, it's like that's that's basically like the whole my body, my choice phrase. And yeah, again, so, so many so many elements of this reflect real life. So now so the whole movie is, is wrapping up now, and the and it ends with a quote from May. Sometimes I miss how things were. But nothing stays the same forever. We, we've all got an inner beast. We've all got a messy, loud, weird part of ourselves hidden away. And a lot of us never let it out. But I did. How about you? And the movie ends on the autographed uh, photo of May and her friends and Fortown and the whole crowd. And that's it. That, that's the credits. And credits are rolling. And that's the movie. Although, there is a post-credit scene. Did you, did you see the post-credit scene? No, I did not see the post credit scene. <laughs> oh, so oh, so so basically, what happens is that like so it it happens in the in the, in the basement, and May is upstairs asking you know where her CD is. We find out that Jin, her dad, is in the basement dancing to Four Town tunes and wearing the and wearing the the merchandise, including these glasses. Oh wow, that's cute. <laughs> I know it, it, that that was a cute little moment to end with. Oh, yeah, so that's that's the movie. That's that's Tony Red. Yeah, and I I really did love this movie, and again, 
this movie will definitely it'll, it'll definitely be one of my top ten movies of the year. I really do hope that this ends up being nominated nominated for at the very least for the Oscars next next year. I think I think it's well it's a Pixar movie so it has to be nominated. However, I'm just worried because this was released so early in the year, and it does and it happens sometimes where it's like oh a movie gets released really early and then the Oscars end up forgetting about about it by the time the next year rolls around. And I'm also concerned that some Oscar voters will be averse to turning red because of how it deals with uh with, with puberty and periods. At the, at the very least, this will be nominated. I kind of hope it could end up winning the Oscar, depending on how this year goes for animation. Do you have any, do you have any thoughts on that? I think it would be good if Turning Red is actually nominated because, because it's such a new and refreshing movie. So I think it would bring a lot of spotlight and more, hopefully, more yeah. movies like that to be made. Yeah, definitely. I, again, you know, open, open, open up the open up the creativity pool. Yeah. And definitely, I definitely love to see more work from from Domishi. Uh, any 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 comments? Oh oh, I I can't believe I've been getting to say this for the uh the score. So the composer for this movie is Ludwig Göransson. He composed the score for the movie, and I thought he did a good job with the score as well. I just I I in general I'm a huge fan of Ludwig Göransson and his scores. Uh, he because he did the scores for uh Creed, Black Panther, uh The Mandalorian, Tenet, and the Book of Boba Fett. It was he didn't compose the score for the Book of Boba Fett. It was his assistant Joseph Shirley who handled the, the main soundtrack. So, uh, Gwenson did compose uh, the main theme for the Book of Boba Fett. But I'm just a huge fan of his, and he's a, a rising star in the world of you know film and TV composing. And I'm glad that he was able to add, he's able to add Turning Red now to his work. And this is actually his first time uh, composing the score for an animated movie. And uh, do, you have, do you have any additional comments to make on on the movie? I think it will be really impactful if you know thirteen uh, year old girls watching that, and I think it, it would just change their life i think it would change my life then if if i have turning red then so i think it will be very impactful and i think it will open up a lot of conversation about um puberty yes and yeah again the the early 2000s period piece of this all like this really did feel like it was truly taking place in 2000 in the early 2000s yeah, really appreciate that. And all right, so yeah, those are those are look, that, that's our breakdown for uh, t- for turning red. Let's move on now to good word. Now this is the segment where we each get to uh, recommend something, whether it's a a book, a movie, a TV show, music, a podcast, anything we want. So Alicia, what is your good word? I recommended. Uh, what is it called? Oh my god, I forgot the title. <laughs> oh, I think West Side Story is also very interesting. I would like to um 
I watched it, but I haven't finished it. But I, I recommend it. It was very fun. It was, uh, it's a musical drama. And I think it, it gave me a lot of insight on, you know, uh, race in America, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I recommend that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're talking about the, the, the new one that's on Disney Plus, I believe, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. All right. Yeah, West Side Story. And as for me, my good word is going to be a Tick, Tick, Boom on Netflix. It's a, a musical starring Andrew Garfield, and it's and it's it, it's a kind of like a biopic about Jonathan Dawson, the late composer of Rent, and I and I enjoyed this movie quite a bit actually. It's uh, Lin Manuel Miranda's directorial debut, and I just felt I found it to be such a such a, a lively, you know, fun, charismatic movie to watch. And Andrew Garfield, he brings a lot of he, he brings a lot of magnetism to the to the movie and he, he and Andrew, Andrew Garfield has actually been nominated for uh for, for an Oscar for, for best actor and yeah I think he I think he's I think this is a well-deserved well-deserved nomination for, for this have, have you seen uh Tick Tick Boom I have but I haven't finished it because some people say that it's very sad so I'm a little bit scared Mm, sad well i guess because well because i, I guess the whole thing is that jonathan Dawson, like he he did, he did die so i feel like maybe at that point it, it, it's a little sad but i don't know I, I would i would recommend going back to it i feel like the mo- I feel, for, for me personally the movie was not overwhelmingly sad i feel like it was pretty like it, it's a mo- it's a mo- it's emotional i would say but not like yeah. depre- not depressing yeah maybe that that moment where where he died that's you know that's the one that made people cry yeah it, it poignant i feel like yeah i feel like right at the end it does take a bit it does turn a bit poignant and it does the old age as well but yeah i i would recommend going back to it when you have time it, it, it definitely was it yeah I, I will definitely finish it <laughs> yes so those are those are good words and uh, alicia i want to thank you very much for coming on here and now if you want to if you if you want to plug your socials, you know, book Twitter, anything, whatever you want to plug. Yeah, of course. I thank you, Arthur, for inviting me as well. This is very fun. This is my first podcast and I enjoy it so far. Um, my socials, um, you can follow me on Twitter. I only have one account that is at Alipil underscore A-G-A and my Instagram is heartrender101 that is with the name alipil but i don't really use instagram anymore uh but it will be better if you just um follow me on twitter all right and then as for me you can find this podcast on twitter uh at two underscore sense critic and you can follow my personal twitter account at also underscore and 18 if you want to email me you can do that at email two cents critic at yahoo.com and you can also go on my blog at two cents critic.com uh, make sure to rate review, uh, subscribe rate and review this podcast uh, wherever you listen to podcasts like on itunes uh, spotify anchor stitcher and wherever wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you also uh, you, you can also give the star rating on spotify and also you can also follow me 
uh, on Goodreads at Audrey Hubble. And uh, make sure you can, you can also follow me, follow uh, my podcast on Good Pods. And then you can also find me on Storygraph and Letterboxd at, at so it's the same name as Twitter, also at also underscore and 18. And yeah, so again, that's the whole breakdown of Turning Red. And again, Alicia, I want to thank you very, very much. I'm glad to have you on here and talk about this, this movie. Okay. It was really fun. And until next time. Until next time. Stay healthy and stay strong.